it is the pink elephant theory. If the guest wants a pink elephant, get them a pink elephant. If you can't find a pink elephant, get a horse, paint it pink, convince the guest that's an elephant. Do whatever it takes to ensure they're happy. That's it. Are they happy? We're back. I'm Chris Adams. You're listening to The Pink Elephant. Today we have the one, the only, it's a Viper girl. <laughs> Celeste is with us. Celeste, thanks so much for taking time out of your insane schedule. I know it's a, it's concert season. Uh, football season has kicked back mm-hmm. in, so you guys are, are nice and busy. So thanks for joining us today. Of course. I'm so excited to be here and get to come on your podcast. I've had you on mine before, so I'm really looking forward to this. I know it's, um, you know, we've gotten to know each other over the past, uh, I guess, um, geez, a couple of years now. And, you know, Viper Girls is, it's, it is a really cool thing. Something that I don't know that a lot of, actually a lot of people know who you guys are, but for all of, for everyone that's not within, let's say, um, the LA proper area and the impact that you have, um, in LA and around, give everybody a little piece of what is Viper Girls. Yeah. So honestly, at our core, we are a bespoke hospitality agency and essentially we do model staffing. Um, So we staff anything from running the front door to the bottle servers, the promo models. Um, We can do casting, anything that requires just a model or some sort of presence, some sort of liaison between a brand or an artist and their guests. Um, that's really who we are at the core. But if you know us, you know, we're a lot more than that. And really, we're an all female team and we create experience and um, hospitality solutions on behalf of brands and enterprise brands and big artists. And um, we just we're that guest relations portion to any event or experience. I love that. And, you know, you were born and raised in L.A., which is unheard of. So you're <laughs> You're the one person that uh, born and raised in LA. And, you know, I'm curious because now you have this company. Um, you're one of the founders of this company. And, you know, you've, you've built this brand. You, what was that process like? Because you started off, um, you were in the nightlife industry, right? And then mm-hmm. you kind of transitioned that and found a niche um, that yeah. was the foundation of building Viper. So what was that, what was that process like for you? Yeah, it was tough. Um, You know, we're about to hit eight years in business. We'll be eight next April. Um, So still a few months away. But I think starting out, I was really naive. And I think that worked to my benefit. You know, I was 19. And I was interning uh, for a big nightlife promotion and production company. And what would happen is there was like a few interns in the office and they would kind of just stick you at the front door. They would be doing this huge event. They would throw you at the door. But I had a really insane work ethic. So I would show up, you know, before anybody else. I would bring coffee for everyone working. I'd be there at 7 a.m. And then by the time the door rolled around, let's just call it 7 p.m. So 12 hours later, I was like, oh, you know, I don't look very good. I'm in so I'm in jeans and I don't have any makeup on because I've been here all day and I have to run the door and this is a million dollar event and there's no process. They just hand you a paper list. And so the original idea way back when was just having girls come run the front door of these big events. But instead of having a paper list and looking disheveled, all the girls would be put together. They would wear all black. We would bring iPads. We would license out software and then we could kind of be that middle ground between an event or an experience and its guests. Because one thing I had noticed was there was just no time 
really spent on thinking about how people were going to experience their first impression. And so that was really how we started. Um, and we did nightclubs for a while and just mostly celebrity events just from being in like the LA scene. Um, but what ended up happening is once I kind of started learning more about building a business, I really pulled off the nightclub doors and started moving into corporate partnerships or larger partnerships, uh, which is how we then landed SoFi Stadium down the road. Um, and so we've really transitioned the business from just being girls at the door to really this bespoke hospitality experience where we can kind of custom create an experience for your guests. Uh, but, but that transition took, <laughs> it took some time. <laughs> yeah, I had to figure it out as I went along. I think what you said some stuff there, when I think about like the, the young entrepreneur, the person that's like, oh my God, I want to, I want to do my own thing. There were some points that you made. I think they're extremely important. One is you, you worked harder than everyone else. And I think that that's important. Like if you want to do this, like, don't be afraid to work. No one owes you anything. No one's going to give you anything. So be prepared to work um, insanely hard. So that's one thing that stuck out. The second thing that you said that like kind of jumped out at me was the fact that you went into something, but you found a niche. Like you saw a gap with yeah. the companies that you were working with that they probably didn't really, they didn't see it. They were just in the midst of their day-to-day -day job. And this is the way it was done. And they didn't realize that there was a gap, but you found a way to insert yourself in a place that added value that they didn't realize they needed. And yeah. I think that's so important for like new business owners to like realize, make sure that you're looking for that gap in whatever your business is to add value to it, because that would, that helped, that was a catalyst for you in kind of launching everything. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think I've just always been the type of person where I wanted to find really that white space. And I, I know that, you know, there's nothing wrong with creating your own version of something that already exists. But for me, I was like, how can we do this differently? How can we innovate here? And one of the things, you know, back when we started, like I said, almost eight years ago, and when I had been interning in the nightlife industry, I started probably almost 10 years ago. And it was just a different ball game. You know, there was, it was always doormen at the door, very um, aggressive. There was this culture of kind of like being demeaning to people at a nightclub door and kind of being like very abrasive and aggressive. And that was something I also didn't understand because I was like, what is anyone achieving by being like kind of rude at a front door. It just didn't make any sense to me. I'm just not that person. So I was like, okay, how can we do things differently? One, we can bring girls in the space because girls were only inside being bottle servers. I was not seeing girls at the door. Two, we can be friendly. I don't think we have to like insult people. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, it's still okay. Like yeah, just because they can't get into this nightclub, I don't think we have to like insult them while we're there. It was a, such a strange nightlife culture. Um, and then the other thing was, I was like, I think there's also room for women to make more money without having to sacrifice, you know, if they wanted to wear a turtleneck one day, or if they wanted to be more conservative, because when I had first started, it was really like, oh, you want to be a female in nightlife? Well, you have two options. One, you can sit at a promoter table, or you can be a bottle server. And that was kind of it. And so that was really important to me to find solutions there. And I definitely think that, you know, anyone else wasn't looking for them. And then we added on just like the technical, 
like the technology side of it was they were printing out guest lists on paper. Um, you know, and I was like, there is a better way for this, you guys. And I remember I, I told my old boss, this was forever ago. I said, why don't we just get iPads and put, you know, everything on iPads. And she had like a list of reasons why you could never do it because if all the Wi-Fi went out and all this and all this, and I was like, I promise you, I can solve this. So that was really how we started. We've innovated a lot since then and really expanded past just being just at the door. But that was the initial plan was like, find a solution, find what's not working, make it better, and then grow from there. Yeah, I, I love that. And now, I mean, you guys do everything from nightlife to, um, I mean, you guys control really everything from a VIP experiential standpoint at SoFi Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um which, I mean, that's a small little venue if, for everyone that's not aware, a small <laughs> venue out here in LA. <laughs> um, yeah. With every major concert that's going to happen, happens there slash sporting events. The Super Bowl was there last year. Um, and you all have, has, you know, you play a huge part in all of that. That's yeah. a pretty big, I mean, how do you sit back sometimes? And it's tough because I've lived this too, where you're in the grind every day and you're like, oh my God, I'm just, you're going, going. And there's those moments where you're like, like, is this even worth it? Do you ever sit back and go, you just told me that you're coming up on your, your eighth birthday Mm -hmm. uh, doing this. But as people talk about what you now do and what your company does, like Mm -hmm. where you started to what you're doing, that is a massive jump in less than eight years. Do you, do you, Mm -hmm think about that sometimes? Do you allow yourself to smile? It's tough. (laughs) Um, I'm really trying to be better about that because I am just like the, I'm so hard on myself. I swear I bully myself more than anyone because I, in my head, I'm like, I should be, you know, further along or hitting these goals. And then also I think because we had the pandemic for two years in my head, you know, I didn't expect a pandemic. So I thought I would be further along. Um, so I'm, I'm not great at like stopping and smelling the roses. It's something that I probably should work on. There will be times where we do something really cool and I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like when we closed SoFi Stadium and I was like, that's very cool, especially being born and raised in LA and being able to do something that's like really has a lot to do with LA and LA culture. Um, that was definitely a moment for me, but it's not, I'm not great at that. I'm always just like, what's next? What's next? So I have to work on that. I know it's, it's tough when you're in the moment of it, but I'm, I tell you when you, when you sit back and look at these things and you have these types of conversations and you start kind of looking at the list of accomplishments. Um, and it's the crazy part is when I look at what you're doing and what you've done and accomplished, this isn't over like a 20 year period. It's not even over a decade. Um, you're, you're barely eight going into this doing things and accomplishing things that other companies haven't been able to do in the past 25, 30 years. No one's doing what you do. Um, so I'll celebrate you a little bit for you. Um, and the fact that, I mean, it's, that's a huge accomplishment and it's something that, um, you know, you should be extremely proud of because I see what you all are doing. I, I, I hear the rumblings of what's coming up, uh, what's on the horizon. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's inspiring to see what you're doing, um, and what you continue to push on. So, um, I encourage you to sit back sometimes and celebrate, uh, what it is that you're doing. (laughs) No, I really do appreciate that because it is, it is tough. Um, 
And I'm always like, you know, I think as any founder, it's, it's so natural for us to be kind of in the past thinking about what could have gone better. And then also in the future, thinking about scaling and what's next. And I think that I would assume that's common. I mean, maybe you experienced sure. that too. So I, it, it's something that I am working on, like mindfulness and being just right here because I do it even in my day. You know, I wake up and I'm immediately like, oh, I have to do this, this and this, or I'm thinking about tomorrow or whatever. So I am really working on like, okay, we're right here. Take it um, day by day. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to get better at that. <laughs> so, all right. I have a tough, maybe a tough question. Maybe not. Um, when you look at, at being the, the CEO, the founder and having to play that leadership role, right. And, and having to be the person that others are looking to for ad advice and, and direction. Um, how do you see this, the next generation, the new worker, the one that is looking for their opportunity? Do you find that there is a difference now than when you were in their position a decade plus ago? Yes. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I, you know, there are some differences. I don't know if they're good or bad, but I know like when I was coming up, when I was fresh out of high school, 18, whatever, I was just working. I would do whatever it took. You know, I would, I had two jobs because I had to pay my bills. And then I also had an internship because I wanted to grow my skill set. So I would literally go to one job, change in the bathroom because I had like a little uniform. I was like a hostess at a restaurant, go to this internship change in that bathroom, go to the next job, you know, maybe go back to Warwick or the nightclub that we were working at later that night. Um, change in my car if I had to. I was always the first one there, always thinking about what can I do? What can I contribute? How can I grow? And I will say that with like a newer generation that I experienced through like our hiring, um, I don't see the same work ethic. And I, I do know where it comes from because I have joined kind of like the conversation because I, I was curious for a long time. And I do understand that they're like kind of have this wokeness, I guess. That's like, you know, we want to have work-life balance. We want to... Um, do other things, you know, and not just like grind, 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 which I do respect fully. Um, but there's definitely a difference. And there's also, to be completely honest, I've noticed like a level of entitlement where things should just be handed to them. Or if they skip steps, if they don't read the instructions, it's like not their fault. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't see that. They're, it's just been a very relaxed um, process. Whereas if I had missed instructions, I would have been like, oh, that was my bad. You know, I really would have taken responsibility for it. So there are a few things I will say that I have seen just as like a business owner. Um, but like I said, good or bad, I don't know. Maybe there is merit to work-life balance. I'm not familiar with work-life balance, so I'm not <laughs> qualified to speak on that. You know, maybe there is something there. Maybe they're on to something and it just wasn't what I was brought up in. Um, but I, I have definitely... There's a big shift. Uh, you know, <laughs> we hear some funny things. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I think much like you, I, when I started in the industry, you know, it was 100 hour work weeks were my norm. Um, and you just you outworked everyone else to to hopefully get a shot at that promotion. Right. And it's a different world. It's in an, a different environment we live in now. I think work life balance is a beautiful thing. Um, I, I think that. One thing I've really tried to focus on is perspective 
and making sure that I take a moment to make sure that I reflect on where I'm at, where I've been, where I'm going. Um, and I think work-life balance is, it's also one of those things for me. I, and I think you're similar to I in that I live an insane life. I am so fortunate to get to do what I do, um, travel like we do, um, go to the events that we get to go to. So I have the perspective in my mind of my work-life balances. I get to do every day what most people save up all year to do once. And so my vacation, my, my, my life balance is I get to do this every day. So it's a, it's a different mindset for me, I think, than, than others might. And I don't know that there's a right or a wrong answer, but I think it is definitely, it has definitely forced me as, as a leader, as a CEO of our company. And I imagine the same for you is to figure out what is, what's my approach? How do I make sure that I'm listening and I'm hearing what's being said um, so I can ensure that I help them find that balance while still being a good steward of our business, right? That's the tough part, running the business side of like, it's not about me trying to drive a fancy new car. Like, all right, how do we pay the bills this week and still have the balance and all those things? And that's, a, that's, a, that's just what I found. I'm in the same boat. And, you know, I'm, I'm really big on... Like I would say my leadership style is I just give the credit, take the blame. Like I don't, even when I see things that I disagree with or whatever, I know that I trust my team to work. If they made a decision, even if I disagree with the decision, I trust in their intention in making it. And so when there is, you know, discourse or conversation about just work ethic in like a different way than I'm used to, I don't immediately discredit it. And I am always open, same exactly what you just said. I'm open to hearing how can we do things better? What do you guys think, you know, could be improved upon here? Um, and really for us, it's just best idea and the room wins. You know, I have a management team, they're great, but we know if somebody new comes in and has a better idea, we're going to go with it. And we're always, especially me as a founder, I'm always open to innovation. I'm like, okay, how can we do things better? Because I do think that the Achilles heel of my previous companies that I worked for when I was coming up before I had Viper was that they didn't innovate. They were stuck in their ways. They didn't want to hear it from a younger generation. And so even though I may be confused by this new, you know, era, um, I'm definitely open to hearing it because I don't want that to be my Achilles heel where I'm like stuck in my ways. And then we're no longer innovating. We're no longer pushing forward because the world is changing. Um, and I can tell you right now, like, I don't know everything. And I know how much revolves around content and the creator economy. And I'm super like unfamiliar in that space. And so I really do try to just like listen to what they have to say also. Um, and hopefully that helps push us forward. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And you talked about content. Okay, let's talk about my Achilles heel. Oh my God. I I think we've talked about this in the past. Like I am, I'm the person that I completely and fully understand how social media works, the importance of it and the benefits of it. Um, holy hell, I suck at it. Like I just, I just... It is not in my DNA to just not like I watch some of these this that are and I God I sound so old. I watch these young kids that are so good. Like they just naturally know exactly what to do, 
when to pick up their phone, how to put, like, I'll watch them. I feel like the grandfather. I'm like, wait, what did you just push on your phone? Like, how did you, how'd you get it to do that? But I watch it's It's naturally just how they, how they think and they operate. Um, and so it's very, it's, it's a very interesting transition as a, from a business perspective, knowing the importance of it. Um, but struggling to maximize and capitalize on it at the same time. It is. It's tough. It's tough for me too. I mean, I, I'm like grateful. I didn't have Instagram in high school and things like that, but I am also like, okay, you guys kind of have a benefit because you guys grew up with this. So, you know, it so well, you know, TikTok is new for me and I try my best, but I also can't spend a ton of time on it because I have other things that I just need to get done. And I think when you're a founder too, it's like, you just have so much going on. And something that I always say when it comes to content, because I've been asked before, well, why don't you show us like days in your life more often? I'm like, because my day is me at my desk with in sweatpants, with my hair up on the phone all day, proposals, emails, brainstorming, you know, whatever. It's not content friendly. Like maybe I could try, you know, to do that. But so there is, I have like two sides, two opinions, you know, because I see the benefit of it. I know how important it is. I know that it's a form of every business right now is that media portion. So I know that it is so crucial. But then the other side of it is like, I have to perform and I can't just like be on display for the peanut gallery. I actually have to get things done. And that doesn't always look super cute on camera. So I really, I go back and forth and I am working on doing a better job. Um, but I'm in the same boat as you. I'm like, I just, it's tough. It's a battle for me. It's an uphill battle. Same, same. I feel you. So being a nightlife expert as you are, um, I think there's a transition that's happened in nightlife. Um, and I, you know, also being out on the West coast, um, it's different now than it was five, six, seven, ten 10 years ago. And what people are looking for, the type of experiences that they're, they're wanting. And you've kind of seen that transition happen from traditional nightclub to more of a, um, you know, it's, it's a dining experience that transitions to a club after, um, I mean, you see how well Delilah's done in, in Las Vegas. Um, and when I look at traditional nightclub, I still think at this moment, I, I see Las Vegas and Miami as still being those two cities that can get away with having like just an old school style nightclub that still do really well. Do you see that trend continuing to happen where it's a little bit more of, um, God, I hate using the term ultra lounge because that's so 20 years ago, but it's almost come full circle again, weirdly enough. <laughs> I cannot agree more. And I tell this to everyone because I have been through it and I've kind of, I'm coming up on a decade in the industry and I've really seen it and the transition of it. And I started really early. I started right out of high school. Um, so we've seen the difference from like that private nightclub or, you know, those big nightclubs. And then we've seen it transition into a smaller lounge nightclub. And then I think now we're seeing the transition to restaurant lounge because I don't think nightclubs, especially in LA, they're just not doing it. Every person I've talked to agrees. And I think a big reason too does have to do with social media. There is such, um, there is, there's such an intersection there because, you know, right when I had started, and was coming out of high school. This was like pre 
I mean, we had some social media, but it wasn't the same. And really, I think the reason that these like LA nightclubs did so well before was because celebrities would come in and it did two things. One, people didn't have their phones out. So celebrities could kind of let loose a little bit. People were not going to put them on TikTok, Instagram, whatever. And then second of all, you had to go to these nightclubs so that Page Six could photograph you or paparazzi could get to you so that you could maintain your celebrity status. And so the door would be super tight. And you'd have to get in and anyone who was anyone would be seen walking in. And then it would keep, if you weren't at the celebrity or A-list level, you were not allowed to come in, hence the doorman culture, um, because it was this exclusive thing. But now with social media, a couple things have happened. One, we don't see high-end celebrities going out like that anymore because they know everyone has their phones out. And then two, a lot of people became their own version of celebrities through social media and didn't yeah. really need to be, you don't need to be in nightlife anymore. You don't need page six. You don't need the paparazzi because you can just get on TikTok and do it yourself. And I really think that social media changed so much of the culture and people figured out like, oh, this isn't really, we don't need this. And I just think it was a trickle down effect. When you go to a nightclub, everyone's on their phones. People are standing around. People realize, do I want to spend $5,000 for a bottle to stand at this table while everyone sits on their phones? I just think the culture shifted so much. And now people want dinner. They want to sit down. They want the experience and they want to lounge. Uh, but I, yeah. I really like LA nightclubs are just not it right now. Yeah, I think that that... I mean, even myself, like I'm looking for something that's more experiential from the standpoint of, I, I think that um, the next generation has better palates. I think they're looking for really great dinners. They actually drink great wine. Like it's, it's a very different um, atmosphere. I mean, the idea of 10, 15 years ago, going to a nightclub and drinking a Negroni, people are like, what the hell are you talking about? To where now the 26 year olds are drinking Negronis, which is an amazing classic, you know, craft style cocktail. So I just think that the end result of what people are, are chasing um, is different. And I think it probably, when we talk about the influence of social media, I feel like it, you capture a better experience on those more intimate settings than these monster clubs where it's just, it feels like mass chaos on social media versus yeah. something that we could really document. Yeah. And I also think there's also been like subsequent trends in health. Like a lot of the younger generation, they don't drink as much. So they might have one or two really good cocktails, yeah. but they don't want a bottle of just, you yeah. know, whatever vodka that they're just going to throw back. And I think that's like kind of how it was before you wanted to buy a bottle, whatever. And now this like newer wave is like, I want to go have a good experience. I want to go have a nice dinner, but I also want to go to the gym in the morning. And and we've really just like seen that culture shift. And so it's really shifted away from nightclubs. And I, you know, and then after COVID too, I think like we had COVID then the economy kind of got hit. And I just don't think people were as interested in spending their Wednesday night at a nightclub, spending a couple thousand dollars on a table. It just didn't have the same effect. It doesn't do what it used to do in terms of like, social status or maybe you know who you're rubbing elbows with it just doesn't happen anymore so i think it was just like a trickle down effect so transitioning now to all right so the nightlife industry has changed um it's continuing to evolve and change talking about personal life how <laughs> do you live in this constant state of um party right even mm -hmm. even even if we're say we're transitioning from old school nightlife to what it is now. It's still this, you're going out, you're um, mixing and mingling constantly. 
how does that translate to a personal life? Um, and, and even from a relationship standpoint of how do you make that work? How do you, yeah. do you have to find somebody that's also in that world to understand it? Or do you go the other route where they have nothing to do with that world? Because, you know, what direction makes most sense? Where, where have you, yeah. where have you, or where have you not found success in that? <laughs> well, I think for a long time, when I started out, I was always going out, going to dinners, going to bars, taking clients out. Um, I would, even if I took a client to drinks at 9, 10, 11 PM, that was so standard, you know, and then I would take them mm -hmm. to a nightclub and it was very normal. I was out a lot. Looking back on that, I'm like, how was I out that much? <laughs> you know, because I've really scaled back on the late nights now. Um, and I just continue to hire girls who are more out and in the scene and can represent the brand well. Um, and then what I do mostly is right back to what we said, I'm the dinner girl. So I'm like, we're going to do dinner. We're going to do drinks. We're going to do whatever. That's great. I'm just probably going to be home by 11, as opposed to where we were kind of just getting started at 11, you know, a little bit a few years ago. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I try to maintain it is like, I still go out. I just try not to do super late nights. And then in terms of like my relationship, I honestly will say that dating was really hard. You have to find the right person because I do know that in the past when I was single, when I was dating, um, that was a point of contention is why are you out this late? Why are you on an 11 PM drinks meeting with an, you know, a male client and whatever. And the truth is it really was work. Like it truly was. Um, but that, that could have, that was problematic a few times. So finding the right person and being able to have a dynamic of just like understanding this is my job. Um, but then also at the same time, transitioning myself out of those late nights and transitioning myself out of that constant party experience has been really beneficial for me and for the business. Um, and I honestly think that anyone who works in nightlife should do that. That's just my opinion. Um, and I don't think that my opinion will resonate for everybody. But I do think like, as you get older, that like sounds so funny to say, but I think like evolving and like scaling and pivoting and moving into different directions is really beneficial. And the reason is because nightlife in major cities, LA specifically, can be a bubble. And you kind of forget that like, there's a real world outside of it. And I remember when I was so deep in that nightlife world, I would just my brain was just like, who are the buyers coming in tonight? Who's this? Who's that? And that world can get a little dark if you're too focused on it, you know, because you're so focused on that, like 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m. time frame. And you kind of forget that there's like a whole world out there that takes place during the day. And for me, scaling out of those like late nights and kind of moving into like corporate partnerships and just the daylight, so to speak, um, has been amazing for me. I would really recommend that to anyone who's, who works in nightlife. Yeah. I get, I know on, on my side, I mean, you know, Maricela and we, we get to travel together yeah. a, a chunk of time, which is hugely beneficial, right? Um, that's for sure. The crazy part for me, and I don't know if it's the same for you is how much professionally the company flourished when I got things figured out personally. Mm, like, yeah. like, you would think those two things are like, you know, those run two different worlds. But for me, professionally, things, things came to light um, and really started, I don't know, just running on all cylinders when I got my shit together personally. You know what I mean? Like, I know that, that 
I don't know if that's the case for, for you or anyone else, but that was a huge thing for, for anybody that's potentially listening or watching. Don't underestimate the power of how much those two worlds cross a line and will determine how far you can push. Um, so you got to get everything, you got to get your house in order if you want your business in order. I completely agree. And I think that that's a point that kind of goes under the radar in the nightlife events world sometimes. Um, because I think that like when you're so focused on nightlife, you like, like I said, you forget that there's like a day-to-day world out there. I've seen it happen a million times over again. And I'm not saying that you have to be the healthiest person ever, but I think we lose some of those healthy habits. You naturally sleep later. You naturally mm-hmm. are more focused on alcohol or late nights and whatever. And really the best thing I ever did for myself was completely flip you know, my whole routine and everything start getting up super early in the morning, working out or even just going for a walk without my phone or starting my day on my time and not like chasing what's going to happen later tonight. Um, it just made the biggest difference for me because taking care of me changed my mentality, changed everything, you know, and I, I just really leaned into who I was. And I kind of, I, th- I do see in nightlife, because it's such a bubble, I do see that people lose themselves in it. And it is, you know, and then what happens is they end up later on not having a personal life. I cannot tell you how many, I mean, men specifically, but women too, would come into nightclubs in their late 40s, 50s, still single, no family, nothing to show for their life, except all the bottles that they've bought, you know, and it sounds like a sad story, but it was happening so often because people focus so much on this, like, party scene, social scene. And then you wake up one day and you're like, Oh, what about the daytime? So I don't know, maybe that will only resonate if you're familiar with the industry, but I've just seen it so many times and I just didn't want that for me. No, I hear you. And it's, I have found, um, for me, I know how important mental space is. Like I, I focus so much on what I'm thinking right? Because my thoughts control my emotions, my emotions dictate my behavior. And I don't think people realize how much that your thoughts start to dictate how you feel good or bad, right? Yeah. And when you get in that funk, and I'm, I'm this and I'm that versus with a flick of a switch, some one thing can happen that changes what you're thinking, which completely changes how you feel, which now changes yeah. your behavior, you, you go from that bad mood to good mood, and it's all driven by your thoughts. And the more that we can keep ourselves in a thinking about the perspective and how we think it really drives our emotions, which affects, which affects our behavior. So, so, all right, going into the tail end of this, I'm curious with every business and every company, I know what happened for us. I know we've talked, it's happened for you. Your company evolves what you thought it was going to be on day one and this big vision you had, you sat down and you wrote your mission statement on a BevNap in a bar one night and you had, this is what it's going to be. And you have this in 10 years, they're going to do this. And then life happens and your business happens and um, you start finding different angles and it evolves. What has the evolution been like for Viper? And is that evolution um, it's continuing to happen, right? It, it's every day is a new evolution of what it's becoming versus what you originally thought it was going to be. How has that been for you? How have you managed that? Um, being okay and accepting the fact that what it's becoming is insanely cool, but it's not what you maybe thought it was going to be from day one. Yeah. 
It's so funny. I was actually just talking about this with somebody and I was telling them that there's like this paradox as a founder because your clients and your team and everyone relies on you to deliver the product or deliver a service. But then at the same time, you have to be innovating, you have to be scaling, you have to be pushing boundaries as a founder, as a visionary. And sometimes what I found is like, when I've wanted to scale in the past or when I wanted to explore new avenues, I've had trusted advisors or friends being like, no, absolutely not. Stay where you're at. And I never listened to them. I always pushed the boundaries anyways. And that's one thing I'm so grateful for um, was the fact that I never listened, was the fact that I continued to say, well, what if this works? And honestly, if it doesn't work, it's okay too. Um, but what if we give this a shot? You know, we started as just doing the door. Then we started with bottle service operations and brand ambassadors. And then we did casting for Kim Kardashian one day because they asked if we could. And then I was like, well, why don't we try also offering casting? And, you know, there's a lot of people who would be like, don't, you know, don't do what you're not good at or kind of like stay in your lane. And I, there's merit to that. But I also think that it's important to grow. Like it's important to pivot. It's important to be open to new things. And that's really scary as a founder because sometimes I will find myself in this cycle of thinking, well, where do we go from here? <laughs> you know, because where we're at now is not doing the job of what I needed to do for the next level. And sometimes I really don't know the answer and you just try things. Um, but that's yeah. the best thing. That's the best advice I can give is just try. And if it doesn't work, like it's okay. Nobody's like staring at you being like, oh my God, haha, that didn't work. You know, it just, we tried something. If it, if it lands, it lands. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but right now I'm actually in that place. I'm trying to figure out what comes next. What is our next version of Viper. Obviously we've had really good success being like model staffing, but I also think there's more for us. I think I've been in this industry for so long. I've had an insane vantage point. I know it so well. I feel like I can offer more. Um, and I never have, and I've never really tried. And now I'm kind of getting to a place where I'm like, okay, well, what does come next? So I'm actually in that space for myself right now. Uh, and just trying to figure out what that next pivot is and I don't know. I think it's normal. I, I think people look at founders and they think like we have everything figured out. And one thing I've learned from like being friends and having peers that also own companies and being in like groups of entrepreneurs is everyone is just trying to figure it out. I can tell you the minute you meet the person that says they've got it figured out, <laughs> stop taking advice from them. Um, well, I mean, look, the reality is if you've quote unquote, got it figured out. That means you're not moving forward. You're staying True. stagnant because you figured out where you're at, not where you're going. Mm -hmm. And True. for anybody that is a, a, a true entrepreneur that's continuing to push, um, mm -hmm. it's probably never good enough. So you're always pushing for what's next, which means you don't have it figured out. And I think one of the things that we push on is failing doesn't make you a failure. That's part of the process. Mm -hmm. Right. Any anybody that's highly successful that says they've never failed, be very um, be scared of what's in their closet because something's going to come to light that you do not want to know about. So um, true. And, right. So it's okay. It's okay to throw stuff against the wall. Um, mm -hmm. I think what I've found is that I've been doing this long enough that I'm more strategic at mm -hmm. what I throw against the wall. I've mm -hmm. learned how to. Uh, fail forward. Uh, it's such a cliche term, but I've learned how to do that. I've learned how to minimize um, minimize your mistakes. Um, when you make a mistake, I'm I'm I've learned how to pivot a little bit faster, so it doesn't hurt as bad as it did in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but 
those are things that that's that's part of the day to day in the process of having a business and continuing to push and grow. And um, I couldn't be more excited for whatever you all have up your sleeve and oh. what's coming up. Thank you. Well, I'm equally excited. So we will find out <laughs> together. Nice. So, all right. If people want to get in touch with you, um, find out what's going on in the Viper world, um, things you have going on, if they want to join your team, they want to pick mm -hmm. your brain. What's the best way to find you guys, get in touch with you, um, mm -hmm. just see all things Viper? I honestly rely on Instagram the most. So my personal Instagram is at Celeste Gervais and our company Instagram is at the Viper Girls. Uh, we recently just rebranded to Viper Girls. So I'm really excited about that. We have a new logo and we're in our new era. Um, so yeah, you can find us on Instagram like that. And then you can also go to thevipergirls.com if you want to take a look at our website. Viper Girls are, if you're in LA and you want to know what's going on, this is where you're listening and watching the, the person that you need to be following. That's for sure. Celeste, I can't thank you enough for hanging out, taking a few minutes to chat with us, um, drop nuggets of wisdom. Um, I, I appreciate it. I thank you for your friendships. It's so great getting to spend time with you actually off camera and uh, us working together on projects. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So thanks for all that you do for EAG as well. Oh my God, of course. I, you guys are my favorite to work with. And thank you for having me today. I love this. Of course. Again, thanks everyone for checking us out. You can find me on Instagram at chrisadams underscore EAG at Ellis Adams official or our website www.ellisadamsgroup.com. Thanks. And we will see everyone next week.